Guys, uh, I'm so excited to share with you a message today. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it'll encourage you, push you forward. This is like your loving like campus pastor, big brother, kind of like socking you in the arm today a little bit. And I hope that you're, you're ready for it. And I, and I, I want you to, uh, to be thinking this question throughout today and, and maybe into your small groups this week and, and as time goes on. I want you to, to be thinking this. What commitment are you called to? And what calling are you committed to? so good, right? No, but truly, like, commitment is one of those things that, that we, like, we respect, right? We honor commitment. I just read recently there was a couple, there is a couple, the longest married couple alive today. They've been married for 80 years. 80 years, that's older than I am. That's 80 years. That's amazing, right? Like, we're excited and honor that. That's cool, because that means that they've, like, seen it all, right? They've said yes consistently for 80 whole years, amazing, right? Or you might know somebody that's like worked in a, in a job for like 35 years, right? They're probably at the post office, right? right? But it's pretty amazing, right? It's like 35 years. I mean, you've been, no wonder you went postal. Okay, so, but then maybe you felt the like the pain also when the absence of commitment is in your life, the lack of commitment or broken commitment. Maybe it's a family member that walked out on you, a spouse that turned their back on you, your boss didn't come through on that promotion he promised you, right? Commitment, you can feel it. It's a real thing. And um, maybe you're one of us in this church today, in this house or in many of our locations that came in not even sure if God's committed to you. Like, I feel you. Like, sometimes you feel like that diagnosis didn't go the way you thought God was gonna take it, right? God, are you even answering my prayers right now? Are you even committed to me? I wanna encourage you with a verse because that's where I go to when I'm feeling like things don't make sense. I go to God's word, Deuteronomy 31, six. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God goes with you. That's right. He will never leave you or forsake you. Listen, if you're hurting, if you're feeling forgotten, if you're feeling ignored, that you're not a priority, Strengthen yourself with that verse. God has never left your side. He's with you in this very moment. He's been with you since the beginning and he's not going anywhere, you guys. So I titled this message, Commitment Calling. Commitment Calling, those are two words, but what do they mean, right? Commitment, you hear that? Commitment Calling. I wanna challenge you today to get committed. Now there's a few things that we can commit to. We're gonna go through all of that. Um, but I want to read to you a passage and really highlight the life of one of my favorite disciples, uh, the guy I get referred to often in this church in, within the staff. Uh, his name's Peter. Why are you laughing? Okay, so this is Mark chapter 1, verse 16. And, he, and as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed them, followed him. So that's pretty cool. What we learn throughout the life of Peter is that, that his whole life of following Jesus began at this moment, and it becomes an example for all of us to follow, no matter how good it went for Peter, walking on water, no matter how bad it went for Peter, chopping people's ears off. But I love the example that we get from Peter. 
he dropped everything to follow Jesus, right? What's that, Lord? They're heaving their nets, you know. What's that? Follow you? Okay, you got it, you know? Like, that is our calling as well, church. When Jesus calls you, follow him. Whatever's in your hands, put it down. Don't let it hold you back. If there's something that stops you from following Jesus, don't follow that thing. Follow Jesus. Can I get an amen? That's right. We follow Jesus. Now, if we fast, fast, fast forward all the way through toward the end of Jesus's ministry on earth, we pick up Matthew chapter 16. We're going to see that Jesus is keeping his promise to Peter. Uh, Verse 13 says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, Who do you say that I am? Church, who do you say Jesus is? Well, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Are you kidding me right now? That's all right. That's a pretty decent elevation from fishermen, wouldn't you agree? Keys to the family Ferrari and such. I wouldn't say on the outset of learning who Peter is, he's a fisherman. I wouldn't call him necessarily like ministry pedigree. You know, like, does he have the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership committed to memory? Right? Is he the 360 degree leader? Is he a perfect one minute manager? Oh, did you know that following Jesus is about leadership or was it just me? No, but it truly is. But, but what we have in Peter is this passion, right? We have his talent or his legacy or his lifestyle, right? He's a fisherman. He's a hard worker. He's probably got dirt under his nails. He's got the smell of the sea on him. He's willing to grind it out when it's tough, right? So he's got some workable characteristics, I would say, in Jesus, in Jesus's uh, context, well, hey, you know, maybe for you and for me, we can learn something from that. Maybe hypothetically, you're a multi-platinum selling rapper and you've sold multiple albums and you're married to a fashion icon who has her own TV show and a makeup line. And one day God calls you to follow him and you release, oh, say, I don't know, a worship album, <laughs> hypothetically, right? And you throw it out there using the platform that God gave you. And wouldn't you know it, the first 11 songs of your first worship album go entirely viral. They're the number one most streamed, most downloaded, most played songs on the entire planet. Like that's just what God does with what he's put in your life. That's just what God does when you say, okay, the thing I have, I'm gonna give it to you and let you use it. It's pretty amazing to see God use what's in your hands. But each of us have a calling that is unique to ourselves, unique to our life, unique to our giftings. So this isn't necessarily a message about for you to sort out what your specific calling is. That's a sermon for another day. But for sure, this is an encouragement to you to stay committed to it, right? Even when it's not easy. One thing that we do have in common though, one calling we can all agree on, this is more of a mandate. We get it from Jesus. Some call it the great commission. 
just a few people, pretty much everybody. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here's my favorite part. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Man, there's so much empowerment in that, right? Like you can be who you are, you can do what you do, but you can make disciples. Are you a single parent? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Make disciples. Are you an HR? You're Tammy in HR, my favorite. <laughs> make disciples, right? Are you a banker? Make disciples. Whatever it is that you do, we can all make disciples and teach people about Jesus. And the best part is God will never leave our side. He's with us to the very end. So I've written down four things that I hope that you can learn today about commitment through the life of Peter. And uh, they all start with C because I want you to feel what it feels like to have my report card. <laughs> Started at the bottom. So the first thing I'd like you to write down is to be committed to the church. Well, that's mighty bold of you. You can't tell me to commit to a church. I'm doing it right now. Watch me. I'm telling you to commit to your church. Listen, I feel like a son of this ministry. I really do. I feel like a product of this church. It's like, if you're new to this church, like what does this church produce? Well, I'm hoping to do my best example of that, but truly it produces fruit to be in this church. You're in a good place. You're in good soil. See, I used to be a mattress salesman. Why are you laughing at me? I used to be a mattress salesman. I think I was okay at it. They called me the uh, Sultan of Slumber the pontificate of pressure point relief, the dictator of dreams, and my favorite, the king of queens. <laughs> but what I love about selling mattresses is people would come in and they would say like, oh, my neck, oh, my back, oh, my neck and my back, right? And my job and my passion was to help them find a solution, right? Help them find something that could help make them feel better. And guess what I get to do now? Man, I'm having a hard time right now. Can you pray for me? Hey, my dad left me. What do I do? Guess what I get to do? I get to point him to Jesus Christ. And I get to say, you're safe here. You're welcome here. They say sales is the transfer of emotion from one person to another. And I'd say this is the best role in the whole world. And that's something that I learned here. My wife and I came to this church 10 years ago. My wife got saved in this church. And my whole world flipped upside down when that happened. You can applaud for that. That's okay. We're excited when people get saved. And we estimate we've attended between 800 and 1,000 sermons at Fresh Life Church. What? That's a lot, right? But that's because I belong here and I need it. I want to be here. I want to hear God's word taught through my favorite pastor, right? He's amazing and I need it every day. Well, in 2011, we, we felt God calling us to just be available. And we didn't know necessarily what that looked like, but we sold our house in, in Kalispell, Montana. And we answered the call eventually to move to Billings in 2011, where we helped with an amazing team plant that campus, our furthest distance video campus at that time in Billings, 450 miles away from where this broadcast is coming at you from. And uh, we saw God move mightily in that time we were there. We were there for six years, and it was amazing. And God took us to some amazing places, and he worked mightily. And there was people that were saved and baptized and people getting free, and it was awesome. 
And then one day, on a Monday night, what we lovingly call Taco Monday in my house, why are you laughing at me? (laughs) Pastor Levi gave us a call, and he asked us to consider moving to Portland, Oregon. And, um, you know, if I knew he was calling, I probably would have been making macaroni, because he's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm making tacos. And he said, but it's Monday. (laughs) Like, you can't, never mind. Whatever I was going to say, wrong number, you know. But I'm so glad that he asked us to, to rise up to the challenge and to, to really listen to God. And this is what my wife said. And this is, this is the kind of person that I married. And this is what happens because she got saved in this church. This is what God put in her heart by being in this church. This is what she said. Why would we say yes to God to serve him in Billings only to say no to God when he calls us to Portland? You feel how you feel right now? Wow. That's the kind of faith that just made me say like, all right, let's go, giddy up. We'd only been in that house for eight months. Look, better timeline, I'd only had the garage unpacked for two weeks, okay? <laughs> but we weren't in it for our comfort, we were in it for the calling. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to go get Fresh Life Red tattooed to your arm and sell all your possessions, go plant a campus across the state or wherever. Although if you're praying for something to to do and you want to be used by God to do a mighty thing, I don't think anybody's going to say no to you praying to be used by God. So go right ahead. But what I am saying, what I am saying is our commitment to this church increased our impact for the kingdom of God. And that can be you too. If it's your first day, what's your next step? Come back next Sunday. That's it. You don't have to get to a thousand. So how about two, right? You know, does it have to be said about our church what the national average is for attendance like once every eight weeks? Like that is pathetic. Like we can do better church. Like we, it doesn't have to be said about Fresh Life. Ch- Fresh Life Church? Oh, that's the church where they, they're passionate, man. They love to go to that church. They're there every Sunday. That's what I want to be said about me. That's what I want to say about my house. That's what I want to say about this church and my campus there in Portland. I'm watching you. All right, point number two. Be committed to the challenge. Be committed to the challenge. I think this is where us, as a society we get off track. It's like when it gets hard, we get out of there. You know what you could quit doing? Quitting. Quit quitting. It's hard. It's not meant to be easy. Uh, it's a lot like exercising, you know? And I consider myself a bit of an expert in that field. Again, with the laughing. <laughs> Thing is, uh, I've had seven knee surgeries on my right knee. And uh, God says seven's the number of completions. So I'm praising God that I'm not going to have to have any more. But I went to the doctor recently. Praise God, there is no need for surgery. But I've got this little trick that I can do. Check that out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I went to the doctor, and, uh, and he's like, you need to strengthen your quads. You need to strengthen your quads. He actually said you need to have rugby quads. What are even those? I don't even, I don't, rugby quads. And so I'm going to this physical therapist that is an athletic physical therapist, and, and they work with a lot of athletes in town. And uh, what they do is they put these um, blood flow restriction therapy cuffs around your legs. They're kind of like a blood pressure cuff. And then they pump it up so that 80% of the blood flow is restricted in your legs or whatever muscle you're focusing on. And uh, what happens is it tricks your brain after you exercise with them to release human growth hormone, the legal kind, um, into your muscles. And then over the next like 24 hours, especially while you're sleeping, it sends these nutrients to, your, to that area that was restricted and can build up the muscles. See, my challenge is with such a, a dangerously loose knee, 
How do you then exert enough energy to strengthen the muscle? Oh, come on, church. When you're weak and you don't know how to get strong, sometimes you just have to trust the challenge. Sometimes you just have to say yes when it hurts because the healing comes when you're asleep. The healing comes when you're not watching. The healing's coming right now. That's what's happening to me. <laughs> Truly, I'm getting a little stronger. Uh, when I started uh, just seven weeks ago, uh, with those cuffs on, I could uh, I could leg press 37 pounds, the weight of a your household dog, right? 37 whole pounds. Felt proud of myself. Good job, Bucko. 37. All right. Well. Uh, just this last Thursday when I finished physical therapy, uh, I was able to leg press 175 pounds on one leg, which is the weight of an average adult male and, uh, or a very large family dog, right? And, and I'm excited about that. And all I'm sharing that with you is that if I hadn't kept saying yes when it was hard, if I hadn't kept going when it was painful, like it wasn't like I was like, Jesus, thank you so much for calling me to physical therapy. It's so comfortable. It's in my zone. It's in my lane. It's like in my flow. Like that wasn't it for me. It hurt. It was hard. And I regretted going. But when I was done and I could see what God did with me, then I'm praising him for it. Okay? So sometimes it's hard. So just commit. It's okay. I wish I had a verse to back that up. Wait, I do. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 26. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Or how about we look back at Deuteronomy 31.6 again? We were told to be strong and courageous. Both of those don't infer comfort or convenience at all, right? They're like, it's going to be hard. Like, buckle up, buddy. Hope you packed a big lunch. It's going to be tough, right? It's beautiful, though, that we see that we're told to be strong and courageous because God is with us. And we don't want a participation trophy, do we really? Like, do we want just like... You did it. You were there. No, we want well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. That's what I want to hear. That's what you want to hear. And that's what Jesus wants to share with you. But you got to stay there. The real deal commitment is when you found out your spouse was cheating on you and you stayed in the marriage and you prayed for their heart. The real deal commitment is when your teenager ran off and they said they didn't love you. They said they hated you. That was my story but you love them fiercer and you prayed for them and you never gave up hope. That's commitment. When your boss is rude and not nice and expects you to be there on time and stuff like that, it's not easy, but you stay committed because it's obedient and it's a good testimony to how good God is and that he lives in you, right? That is commitment. And that's the commitment that we all want, but it is challenging. Third thing that we can see in the life of Peter is that there is a commitment to the crafting. Commitment to the crafting. Listen, God uses all of your story to give him glory. I'll say that again. God uses all of your story to give him glory. All of it. What about that one part? Yeah, that too. What about that secret thing that, that, I, that I'm dealing with? Yeah, mm-hmm. that too. He can use your story to bring him glory. God started crafting my story and my calling long before I knew I was 
going to be the person I am long before I ever knew I believed in God. It happened when I was 10. And uh, what happened was, the, was a, a night that marked me as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, as a leader, as a friend, as a person. It, this is who I am. If somebody were to ask me, like, what's the one thing in your life that happened that changed you the most, that made you the person that you are? It's this night. Um, it was like dude's night. Me and my dad were going to watch a movie. He had been deployed for a little while in a desert storm, and he had finally come back, and I was excited to have him back. He's my hero. So is my mom. So is my older sister. And um, we were going to watch a movie. It was Suburban Commando with Hulk Hogan. He was sublime. I had the whole bowl of popcorn, put in the movie, watched the previews, watched the movie, and my dad never came downstairs. And uh, so I went upstairs after I rewound the movie, Google it, and, and I, I saw my parents were like having out their differences. So I kind of snuck back downstairs and my mom and dad eventually came down with tears on their faces and, uh, and they said uh, that they're splitting up. My parents are splitting up, I'm 10. And, um, and so my mom said, I'm gonna go stay the night at her parents' house, which is just across town and they were out of town. So the house was vacant. And that my older sister was gonna go with her and that it was my choice. I could choose if I wanna go or if I wanna stay. And at 10 years old, how do you, how do you choose that? You know. And um, so I went with my sister and my mom. I was like the man of the house for a while, so I felt like it was my obligation to be a good little brother and protect my sister and my mom and be there for them. So I did, and I went and I stayed, I got, I got into bed and it was in this basement, unfinished basement in cots. It's like a dungeon, I'm not even kidding. And I'm laying there in bed and to my right, is my sister, and we're both in shock, totally thrown for a loop. This isn't how life was supposed to go. I didn't see this coming. And all I could think about really was my dad and how he felt all by himself in that house, like his family just walked out on him, like I had walked out on him, and I couldn't stomach that. So I got upstairs, I woke my mom up, and I asked her if my dad could come and get me and bring me back. I was so conflicted. Who do I pick? Who do I pick? Who's my favorite? They all are. So I went and I laid down in my bed, in my house, in my comfort zone, in my own bed. My sister's room is to my right, empty. My mom's side of the bed is empty. And guess what? That feeling came back. Whoa. Does my sister in that basement feel like I walked out on her? Does she feel like I gave up on her? She needs her little brother. And... So I woke my dad up and I asked him if he could take me back to my mom's house, which my grandparents' house at the time. And he did. And they were always so nice about where we wanted to stay. Now, I'm not telling you this story so that it's like, you got to choose today who you're going to serve, which you do. I'm not telling you this story so that it can be like, look, God will give you the, the, the desires of your heart and you just step into your calling and he's going to make it amazing. I am saying that, but not right now. What I am saying is that that moment in my life, that feeling I felt, this desire to unify my family, to not walk out on somebody, to not abandon somebody, to not let them feel like they weren't wanted or cared for or important, that is who I am. And that's what I get to do every day as a campus pastor. When you fill out that connection card, you send us a text message, you stop at our lobby, you got trembling hands, you're brand new, you're not sure how this whole thing works. Listen, we want you here so bad. We love you so much. God has something for you here.
You are family. You just didn't even know it. I've got this wild belief that we're probably best friends. We just need to be introduced. But that's my calling, and it's been crafted since I was 10 years old. What's your calling? What's God doing in your life? I assure you he's not doing something by accident. I promise you that. The last thing I want to encourage you to be committed about is to be committed to the completion of your story. Back to Peter. If we hadn't seen Peter go through all these high, like mountaintop, literally mountaintop moments, and also some major like heavy blunders that he had committed, we wouldn't see the story the same way. We would just see like he's a hype guy. But what we, what we notice in Acts chapter two, which you can read on your own time, totally like read your Bible when you're not at church. Chapter two of Acts is when the Holy Spirit comes down on the people. 3,000 people get saved. And guess who's preaching right there in the middle of it? Peter, your boy Peter, right? And then we just finished a series, a, a, a five chapter series. It took us eight weeks to go through called Dawn is Coming. This is written by Peter, First Peter, Amazing. We get to see all of that, and we see that Jesus took Peter from a fisherman to a follower, to a leader of followers, and then to a founder. He was a founder of the faith. That's what we see in the commitment to the completion of our calling. Now, I wrote down nine quick things to learn from of the life of Peter, and I'm going to just like rapid fire them. Uh, you don't have to write these down, but just try and follow along. These are things that we know about Peter that really demonstrate what happens when we get through life, our whole calling completed. This is what happens. So first, we know he was a fisherman. Second, he rushed to follow Jesus. Third, he earnestly followed Jesus. Four, womp, he sliced the guy's ear off. Five, he held Jesus back. Six, he lied about knowing Jesus. And then seven, he insisted he didn't know Jesus. And number eight, he felt sorrow and he was forgiven. And we could stop right there. You can feel sorrow as long as it leads you to asking forgiveness. Guilt isn't the way. Maybe just a reminder that you need Jesus and he is faithful to forgive you. And we could stop there, but no, we get to go to number nine. He is an example for all of us to follow Jesus Good times and bad times. When it's working, when it's not, you can follow Jesus. See, when we stay committed to God until his work is completed, all of us experience fresh life. Hey, this guy. Pretty cool, though. I wish I had a verse to back it up. Oh, wait, I do. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But Jesus started commitment first. We learn it from him. He's committed first to us. Romans 5, 8 tells us that. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were messed up. We didn't even ask for it. He came for us. That's how committed he is. It's not about how good you are. It's about how much you're loved, church. So if you're hearing this message, I just wanna encourage you, quit quitting, stay put. This is fertile soil. Let God work in your life. Don't be ashamed of your past. Trust him for the future. He's still working. He's not done. That thing he started when you were 11 years old, he's not done. 
He's going to use that for his glory. Follow him with all that we have, and we get to see what he can do through us. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for choosing us, for going to the cross, for for making it possible for us to know you. And Lord, I know in this house, in this church, across all of our locations and online, there are people that are just not sure if you really love them, but are hearing your call to follow that to follow you. And I pray that today people will take action to follow you with all that they have, to answer your call as you lead them in life. And if that is you, unsure where you're going, unsure about your next step, maybe you're ready to give up. Don't give up. Trust God. If you'd like to put your faith in Jesus today to answer the call to follow him and let him forgive you and wash away the the things that you're ashamed of and use you for a purpose. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer in just a moment. I want you to say these words after me, repeat them and meet them in your heart. And as one church, one voice, one house, we're gonna say this together. Repeat this after me and say, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I failed. I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Come into my life. Forgive me and make me new. Help me follow you all the days of my life.